you got your Bibles, we'll be in um, Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter 17. Mr. Bob, I appreciate that song. Today, in Sunday school, we were talking about Barnabas, that he was an encourager. And as Bob Miller was playing that song, I thought to myself, you know, Bob Miller, he's a Barnabas. Those of you that know Bob Miller, you know that. He's an encourager, and I'm happy for everything you do here, brother. Acts 17, we'll read a a verse in just a minute. Uh, About a month ago or so, Pastor gave me this booklet here, and we're, you know, not unfamiliar with this here, the seven wonders. And he said, I want you to develop seven messages out of each one of these questions. And so two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, I preached a message on the first one, why do I exist? And does my life really have any significance? We covered that. Um, This week, we're on the second one, is there a God? And if so, where is he? And what is he up to? And hopefully, we'll be able to find some answers to those questions Tonight, uh, this booklet is available for you. It's free. It's at each one of the three tables back there. I encourage you to grab one, give one. Uh, As I mentioned last time, this is a great evangelistic tool to give to uh, folks who may be turned off by a gospel track, um, you know, may not not be willing to come to church, but there are thought-provoking questions in here that uh, will get their mind turning and, of course, good spiritual, spiritual answers. Um, in it as well. After the service last week, I was talking uh, to Tom Crichton. He says, oh yeah, me and the guy that wrote this are real good friends. Now, for some reason, that doesn't surprise me because Tom Crichton, he knows about everybody and that's good. That's good. And so I thought, wow, well, there you go. And so I like it when it's not just some random person, when it's someone that we know and is good, has a good reputation and been lifelong friends of uh, Brother Tom and Jenny Crichton there. And so hopefully you get one and read it, and then pass it on to others, and see how the Lord uses it to work in their life. Well, tonight, the topic and the question is, is there a God? Now, I think we're all in this room tonight because we do believe there is a God, that he lives, he answers prayer, he hears us, he's concerned with our thoughts and our needs, he loves us, he's changed our life, And so I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I am not going to beat a dead horse, but I do think there are some really good things um, given, of course, in the booklet and then uh, from some research and different things uh, that is not only good for us and encourages us in the Lord and also strengthens our faith that we can be confident that, yes, there really is a God who cares about us and is concerned with us. But we can also share some of these things. There's five uh, main points uh, to go along with it. And I think there'll be a help to you and definitely a help to uh, those you run in contact with. Uh, as, you, as many of you know, all of our services are live streamed. They're on our website. They're on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, many of you like to share them with your kids, with your grandkids. Um, I hear from time to time that some of you, you have some rebel grandkids. We won't ask you to raise your hand who that is. Um, and you send them Bible verses, send them sermons, and these are all good things to uh, send, send their way to people uh, who, you know, are doubting their faith or are questioning, is there a God? And so feel free to do that. Our theme verse 
today is Acts 17, 27, and 28, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for one more time that we're able to meet. We thank you for a brand new year and what that means um, uh, to each and every one of us in, in our minds. It kind of uh, gives us a restart, a time to reflect back on the way we lived last year and see how we can improve and do better. And may we all reach for something higher this year than last year. And may we not settle. Um, may we be more evangelistic than we've ever been. Uh, may you use this sermon, uh, not only with the people in this room, but um, across the internet, across the world, wherever it may go, uh, to impact people for eternity, that souls may be saved and lives would be changed uh, because of the message from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today is 2023. I asked a few people uh, on the way in this morning, I said, can you believe that it is 2023? You know, for a guy like me, 29 years old, uh, I can believe it. It's not really, you know, maybe that that big to me. You know, it, it is a little uh, surprising. It feels like just yesterday I was trying to learn how to write 2022, and here we are trying to write 2023. I feel like I just renewed my car's registration. Uh, my birthday's in January, so of course I'm due right at the, the uh, beginning of the year here, and here I am again renewing it once again. And in 2023, there are still people who are asking the question, is there a God? They are still trying to figure it out. Is there a God? And if there is a God, what's he doing? What's he up to? Where is he at? And if we could sum up the entire world, I think, into three categories of this question here, is there a God? There would be three groups of people or predominantly there would be three answers. The three answers would be the first one, the atheist, he would say, no, no, there is no God. That's what the atheist would say. And there are uh, many of them, especially it seems like in America, there are becoming more and more of them. Uh, in my heart, you know, I, I can only know what, what I believe. And um, I, I can't, know 100% for certain what other people believe and the feelings that they have truly in their heart, but I have a hard time believing that an atheist is really an atheist. I got a hard time believing that. What, what do I mean by that? I think predominantly there's a lot of people who claim I am an atheist and they're really not atheists. They just want to be atheists. You get that? They're really not, I, I really think most of them, I'm talking about like 90, 95% of them, really just don't want to believe that there's a God. And so they say, there is no God. I mean, I, I'm talking about family members that I have, friends that I've known, people that have, you know, maybe walked away from the faith. Uh, we all know. And it's just like, it just seems too far-fetched. I think we could all agree that that kind of seems to be the case. It seems... To be like those individuals, they're just trying to deny the existence of God, that they may downplay the sin and the guilt and the shame that they feel 
from dis- disappointing an almighty God. Think about Adam and Eve, if you would, for a moment. What did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? Did they come right out in the open and say, God, here we are, you know, we need you, we love you, you know, hey, we need your help. No, 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 what'd they do? They went and hid in the bushes, trying to get away from God. And when I hear these atheists, and I see them online, on internet, YouTube, TV, I mean, we all see them from time to time, um, especially Reagan's son, that guy. Every time I see one of his commercials, you probably know who I'm talking about. It just seems like, man, you are trying really hard to believe that there is not a God. But there is. The Bible says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Think with me for a moment. I think atheism is is one of the most ignorant thing a person can possibly say is I'm an atheist. Think Think about this with me for a moment. To definitively say that there is no God, that means you must know everything. Seriously, it must mean that you must know everything. I mean, do you think that you know everything about everything there is to know about? I don't, not for a second. And I I think if we took every single person in the entire world who has ever lived and we said, well, you know, does every person that has ever lived in the entire world, if we got all them together, do you think we would know about everything in the universe? No, absolutely not. And isn't it possible if we don't know everything and haven't experienced everything and we haven't seen everything and figured everything out, isn't there a possibility that God might exist outside of what we've discovered yet? Absolutely. So, Someone saying they're an atheist is just like the Bible said, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The agnostic. Now that's, a little, that's somebody I can respect a little bit more. A little bit more. Is the agno- At least he's honest. At least he's honest. See, most atheists, they're not atheists. They're, they would fall more into the agnostic category where the agnostic... He says, there may be a God, or there might not be a God, but I'm not really sure, and I don't really think that we can know. So I'll say, okay, well, that, that's a little bit better, but that's a start. That's at least somebody being honest, being upfront. Um, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, can work with that. Adrian Rogers, many of you uh, probably listened to his sermons or have heard him from time to time. Um, good preacher, like listening to some of his sermons. Years ago, I heard him preach one time, and he was talking about an an atheist and agnostics, and uh, he challenged every agnostic that he meant to read the book of John every day. Read one chapter, I'm sorry, from the book of John every day, and ask the agnostic if he would pray sincerely in his heart to God and say, God, if you are real, would you show yourself to me? And he had a few testimonies of people who came back 30 days later or so and said, I believe that God exists. The atheist says, no, the agnostic, he says, maybe the advocate, like us, we say yes. 
Now, let me say this. I'm not just talking about Christians at this point. I'm talking about anybody who believes anything about any God whatsoever. Uh, but there, because uh, again, we're summing everybody up together into three categories. We got the no, we got the maybes, and we got you know the people who believe in some God or any God that's out there. Um, they would say, they would say, yes, there is a God. And so, any God, we're going to tonight look at um, some details, five details here, uh, and evidences, I should say, that point to the fact that God exists. And we're going to start real generically, get more specific and get down to the God that exists is the God of the Bible. We can be certain of it, and I'm positive of that. And so each of these uh, principles, or each of these points, I should say, they do not necessarily by themselves individually prove that there is a God, but I think after we look at all five of these and we put them together, it's going to be a pretty strong case that God exists. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about the world, and... uh, we got a message we need to share with others. The first one here is nature is an evidence that there is a God. Nature is an evidence. Acts 14, 17 says, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good, that he gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and with gladness. Of course, we know Psalm 19, 1 as well. That gets referenced often. Nature declares the glory of God. Why? Well, there's order and there's harmony order and harmony. Dr. Grady McMurtry, a creation scientist, he's been by here many times. Uh, He is a million times smarter than me than I will ever be. I think he probably has a photographic memory, uh, smart as a whip. Hello. He didn't know that. And (laughs) I didn't plan that. That was just for the moment. I think he's coming back, coming back in the near future. Uh, but of course, when he comes here, he has presentations laid out and many, many things that, that give proof or evidence to a young earth and so uh, in creation uh, by God Almighty. And so one of the things that he often mentions is that uh, our planet is just the right size for existence, for life to have existence on this earth. If it was too small, what would happen? It would freeze a little bit smaller. Just a little bit, we would freeze to death because we'd be too far away from the sun. If, if the earth was a little bit larger, what would happen? We'd burn up. And think about with me just for a moment as we reason with this, reason in this together. If the earth was, Bob Miller, he loves creation science. He loves creation science. If the earth really was billions of years old, the earth would have burned up a long time ago. At the rate that the sun is decreasing, I mean, it would have been huge, much bigger, would have burned up the earth a long time ago, okay? So there's order, there's harmony. I mean, we think about things in, uh, think about things we have right now, a watch. This often gets used as an example when talking about creation. I mean, the complex parts that are in a watch and how they all work together perfectly to accomplish one goal, keeping time, and they do it. It's hard very complicated to do, but yet it does it. And we think about the world that we live in and everything that could go wrong that doesn't go wrong. We look on the news and say, wow, there's an earthquake here and there's a hurricane that come by here and there's this and that. But really, when you think about what could go wrong, God is holding this thing together. The Bible says that 
about Jesus that he is before all things and by him all things consist. He's holding this thing together. I mean, think about, I mean, a massive famine could happen. Life could die. Just a short amount of time. God is keeping this thing together. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Our body, there's order, complexity. Our body, it heals itself. Just the other day, uh, actually uh, a couple days ago, I was talking to somebody, I can't even remember who it was, but we were talking about kids and how they are like bulletproof when they are younger. I mean, they can get injured, thrown around, and they just heal right back up. They heal real quick. I mean, God designed it that way. I mean, because if he didn't, I mean, some of the, my kids, they run into walls. I mean, they hit each other with bats, baseball bats and golf clubs and throw things at each other. They fall. I mean, if God didn't orchestrate it to where kids could be as indestructible as they are at that age, I mean, there'd be nobody. I mean, we would have died generations ago, thousands of years ago. Their bones are like rubber. I was telling somebody, my dad, when I was about four or five years old, uh, I was getting in the car. We had a a two-door Ford Escort, and I was getting in the car, and I put my hand uh, on the uh, door frame, and I was getting in, and he shut the car door on my fingers. I mean, it clicked shut. Of course, you know, he pops it open as quick as he could, checks back. You know, my fingers look good. We stopped at Dunkin' Donuts and got some ice, put some ice on it, and it was fine. I mean, if that happened today, I mean, if I took a fall the way my kids take a fall, I mean, I'd be laid up for a few weeks. My son, he had uh, something wrong with his thumb, trigger, you may have heard of trigger finger before. He had trigger thumb, and they had to do a little operation on him. And I mean, a nice big incision, big cut. Within a week and a half, the thing was just about healed up. That is amazing. Now, ask that about, you know, a 70-year-old, how long a cut like that takes to heal. It's not quite the same. What I'm saying is, is our bodies are made with order and complexity, and we have intelligent design by God Almighty. Order and complexity. Of course, there's the argument of cause and effect. Uh, Every effect must have an adequate cause. Psalm 119, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. We look up in the stars, as I mentioned a couple sermons ago. Look up in the stars and see God's handiwork, and it's undeniable. There is a God. A God exists. To say he doesn't is foolish. We have a beautiful painting painted by Neil Walling back here. We look at it, and not one person in here would say that painting just happened to be that way on its own, that the colors just jumped on the canvas. Actually, nobody would be foolish enough to say the canvas assembled itself. The colors then, somehow or another, Hurricane Ian swirled the colors around. They splashed on, and it made a perfect representation of something uh, down here in Florida. And then a frame. And then a frame appeared on it, and it got put on the wall back here. That is ludicrous. Again, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When we acknowledge God for who he is, the universe, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Romans 1, 20 through 23, I'm going to briefly read through this very quickly. Talks about people who denied God's existence. It says, for the invisible things of him from creation 
of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The Bible says from nature alone, people are without excuse. You say, well, there's an entire world out there who has never heard the name of Christ. Yes, that's true. But again, the Bible says they are without excuse. They've denied the truth that God has given them that is right in front of them that they wake up every day and they see and they've turned it into corruptible things. And they've worshiped, as the verse says later on, the creature more than the creator. The heavens declare the glory of God. The second thing I want you to notice about an evidence for God, not only nature, but also the human conscience. It declares, it's an evidence that there is a God. The world likes to classify humans in the same category as animals. I don't know about you, but that just irks me. I mean, that irks me. I cannot stand when they try to call humans animals because we are totally different. Absolutely. The main difference, of course, we have a conscience. Animals do not have a conscience. <laughs> uh, that's one way to get an amen, you know. Your conscience, it tells us what's right, tells us what's wrong. Uh, certain truths in this world, they are undisputed. We know things are right. We know things are wrong. It's like two plus two equals four. We know. We know that's what it is. We know that murder is wrong. A worldwide truth, we know that murder is wrong. Lying is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Those are things that humanity as a whole, you go anywhere in the world and people know that those things are not right. I'm not saying that they don't do them, but I'm saying they know that they are not right. Um, in the heart of man, there is a universal truth that our conscience declares that there is a God that we know in our heart that there is some God that's out there. Um, I have my quote here. I think it is from Great Bible Doctrines, theology book, Great Bible Doctrines. I meant to write down who it was in here. But he makes this statement, uh, which falls under the argument, this uh, idea of conscience would fall under the argument of universal belief. Here's what it says. Man everywhere believes in the existence of, su of a supreme being or beings to whom he is morally responsible and to whom propitiation needs to be made. Okay, what is, what's he saying is anywhere you go in the world throughout any time period, you can find people that believe in some sort of higher power out there or higher powers that they feel in their heart that they have offended. I mean, we're talking about a God of some kind that they have never met, that they feel like they have wronged and they need to make things right. Why they would do crazy things like sacrifice humans, sacrifice their infant children, you know, take, take uh, you know, unbelievable amounts of money and offer it to a God that doesn't really exist. It's like in the heart of mankind, we know that there is something more. And of course, there's just a few people who would say, no, there's no God. 
But 99% of people out there believe in their heart that a God exists. Think about it this way. An orphan, an orphan child sitting in an orphanage somewhere takes a pen and a paper and tries to draw a picture of his father who he has never met. He knows he has a dad out there somewhere. He's just never seen him, never met him. What do we see if we were to travel the world? Well, we could go into caves and we could see drawings on caves of people who believe in some God that's out there. We would see statues that people have made and have formed to some God. We would see massive temples that are in ruins that were built to honor some God that's out there. In the heart of man, we all know that there is a higher power that is out there. Our conscience tells us so. Thirdly, not only nature, not only our conscience, but I'm going to say this. The word of God is evidence that there is a God. The word of God. Let me explain. The history of the Bible, compiled over how many years? About 1,500 years. One book, 1,500 years to complete. Does that amaze you? I mean, that absolutely amazes me. And that I'm holding it in my hands. That's even, that's even crazier. Written in different languages, but yet it's right here in my hand. This book alone is a testament and a testimony that there is a God out there because this book is, has been supernaturally put together over 1,500 years in the making. Let's look at some of the details about the Bible and how it is evidence that there must be a God, that it is supernatural. Well, there's around 40 different authors, a lot of spiritual books out there. I would say the majority of them, they just have one author. Our Bible, no, 40 different authors. Of course, we know written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's a different topic for a different day. Um, but 40 different authors, super amazing. Another fact, these 40 different authors, they lived in different areas of space and time. They lived in different areas of space and time. Think about that. Many of them had never met each other. What I think is even more amazing, they had never met each other, nor did they know what the other person wrote. And yet we go through the Bible and we find no contradictions. Is that not just amazing? 1,500 years, people lived in different areas of the, of the world that never knew each other, wrote what God told them to, wrote, to write, and sure enough, it got compiled together and it's absolutely perfect. There's no missing pieces. It has the start of how everything began, and guess what? It has the end and many, many, many things in between. What else about these 40 different authors that makes this book supernatural? Well, they had different social standings. This is, this is pretty wild to me. Kings wrote this book. Fishermen wrote this book. Peter and John who were nobodies. But you have kings like King David, King Solomon, 
That's unbelievably amazing. Priests, you had Ezra, shepherds, Moses, David. You had a doctor, Matthew. I mean, Dr. Luke, I'm sorry. Tax collector, Matthew. People from all different backgrounds, the rich and the poor, the intellectual and the dumb, if I may say it that way. But yet it all fits together perfectly. The only way this book could come together is if God existed and had an influence on it. The book is time-tested. What do I mean by that? Well, while we're talking about contradictions, this book has been around completely together. I mean, we're going to say, I mean, 2,000 years. I mean, maybe let's say 1,500 years. 1,500 years or so um, that it's been totally together. People could look at the beginning, the end, the middle, the whole thing, and not once have they found a contradiction. I mean, there's a few debatable things, but I mean, we're talking about nothing that's black and white. I mean, Pastor Bill and I recently, He's been looking through a book that, that had, you know, well-known contradictions. Uh, six, eight months ago, I taught in my Sunday school cla- class um, problem passages that people often go to that, uh, you know, may say, well, this is a contradiction. That, and we looked through every single one of them, and there were good answers for each and every problem. It's time-tested. You can base your life on it. I can promise you that. Not only is it time-tested with contradictions, but how about in the realm of science. I mean, the Bible was written before a lot of these scientific facts became scientific facts. The Bible talks about the earth being a sphere a long time ago, a long time before people actually figured that out. I mean, science is catching up to what the Bible has already declared to be true. Not only does the Bible say that the earth was a sphere before people even knew it, but it also said that the earth hangs on nothing. That's a wild thought. I mean, we have technology that shows us, okay, yeah, we're out here in outer space somewhere. But if you ask me if, if I was born three, 4,000 years ago, I don't think I'd believe that. But the Bible says it's true and science is catching up to what the Bible has already declared to be true. People like Matthew Murray discovering the, the paths to the sea, how there's actually, you know, currents and things that go through the sea and he discovered it and... I mean, changed sea travel. But the Bible already said that there were paths in the sea before he even discovered it. The Bible, let me say this, folks, it is time-tested, and it proves that there is a God. It's also, it's preserved. Oh, my goodness. That's, that may be the best point of all. It's preserved. How could this last 1,500 years and be in my hand tonight in 2023 if there is not a God? Think about everything. That's happened in our world. All the calamities, all the wars, all the fighting, and this book has not been destroyed. I mean, it's hard finding resources that are a thousand years old. People, there's a God in heaven. (laughs) My goodness. Argument, I won't get into it. You can check out the Dead Sea Scrolls and how they found... uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, entire sections of the Bible were found in there, and they were perfect to the uh, copies that we have today. That shows proof there's a God out there. 
So we got nature. We've got our conscience. We've got the word of God as evidence. And I'm going to say this, the life of Jesus Christ is an evidence that God exists. Jesus not only was a biblical figure, but even in the world's view, he was a historical figure. There are, there are resources that you can look at that are about written about 100 years after the life of Christ, uh, a few of them. And even in the world, they say, well, for a source to be reliable, it has to be you know, uh, at least 200 years. So we're talking about there's evidences that are 100 years from the life of Christ. And imagine how many more there would have been. The Romans came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, burned a lot of places down, destroyed a lot of things. There was a lot of things that were destroyed in that time, I'm sure. But there are evidences that we even have. Um, historians like Josephus, uh, Tatticus, um, many things. There's other uh, books that were written. I'm not going to get into them. What, what we may call the Gnostic Gospels that we wouldn't take as Scripture. Um, many other evidences for sure. Uh, but one, one individual said, we can almost reconstruct the entire gospel account from non-Christian sources. Jesus Christ existed, and he changed the world. His, not only was uh, he a historical figure, but his prof, uh, prophetical fulfillments point that there is a God. I mean, born the smallest things, Pastor Bill mentioned uh, on Christmas Eve, that he was born in Bethlehem. That was prophesied in the book of Malachi. I mean, like 400 years before he was born there, that it was going to be Bethlehem. We could go through tonight, and for the next three hours or so, I could probably list, I mean, I'd have to research it out because I didn't write them all down. You'd have to research every prophecy that Jesus fulfilled in his life, and we would come away with, this was supernatural. Things like he was betrayed. I mean, written thousand years before he it happened. He would be, and this is all about one man, one individual. Betrayed. He was given gall and vinegar. They were going to gamble for his clothes. He was going to be born of the seed of David. He was going to die with the wicked. He died between two thieves. He was going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And there's also unfulfilled prophecies that Jesus is going to fulfill, like sitting on the throne of David. There's going to be peace in the world, real peace for once. How about this? The extent of his ministry lasted 2,000 years, 2,023, if we want to say that, to this point, that the ministry of Jesus has gone on. It's on every continent in the world the message of Jesus Christ. Think about the extent of that. But pause with me, with me for a moment and think, Jesus' ministry did not start 2,023 years ago. All the way in the beginning, Genesis 3.15, there was a promise of a Messiah, and from that point on, people had been looking for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. What I'm telling you right now is in the entire existence of the world, it has always been about Jesus. From the beginning to now, and from now until the end, it is all about Jesus, and it is undeniable to say anything else but that. No other individual throughout history has had an effect like Jesus Christ. And fifthly, not only nature, conscience, 
the word of God, the life of Jesus, but fifthly and lastly, changed lives declare that there is a God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. Think about the apostles with me for just a moment. Bunch of nobodies for the most part. In a whirlwind after Jesus was crucified. But something happened but from three days after that until 40 days later where he ascended up to heaven that totally changed them. They saw the resurrected Christ. I mean, you got Peter who was a coward who didn't even want to be in the, named in the same breath as Jesus when he was taken captive. But when we read about Peter, just a short time later, he was a totally different person. What happened? He saw the resurrected Christ and it changed his life. Every single one of the apostles died a martyr's death except John being exiled to the island of Patmos. But every single one of them, I mean, they didn't just die a martyr's death. They were tortured immensely, many of them. And not one of them denied their faith that Jesus was who he really said he was. That shows me, wow, Jesus must have been the real deal. You got historians who go back and they try to disprove the life of Christ. And many of them turn out, turn out to get saved and get born again because the evidence is there. God exists and he sent his son, Jesus, to pay for the sins of the world. Not only are the apostles evidence that God exists, but may I say this, you are an evidence that God exists. Your testimony. Imagine with me, if you would, if we could go back, if you could go back, some of you, in a time machine and go back 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and go back to your old self before you were saved. And you could tell your old self, I'm from the future. And I wanna let you know that on this night, 30 years from now, you are going to be sitting in a church service on Sunday night, worshiping God, singing hymns, praising the Lord. Some of you, your old self would laugh in your face. I mean, would utterly deny it, would think it, there's no way that that can be true. But between that point and now, somehow or another, Jesus got a hold of your heart. You knew your need of a savior, that you were on your way to a devil's hell, but that Jesus paid your sins for you and in simple repentance and faith, you could be delivered from that and have a new life and you did it. And from that point on until now, your life has never been different. And there's no other explanation for it other than there is a God. People, God exists. There is a God. He concerns himself with the affairs of men. What's he up to? He's on a mission to seek and to save that which was lost. There's still time. If you don't know the Lord, he wants to save you. He wants to bring you into his family. And he wants to conform you and sanctify you unto himself. God exists. He loves you more than you ever know. Is there a God tonight? 
Our verse says, he be not far from every one of us. For in him, we live, we move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you once again for looking into your word. Uh, we're so thrilled. We're amazed tonight that we, we can be confident to say that God exists. And not just any God, but the God of heaven. The God who loved us, who gave his only son for us, that uh, didn't give up on us when we were in our darkest place, but loved us more than our minds can ever and probably will ever comprehend. We're unbelievably grateful for that tonight. And there's a world out there who's looking and searching for what we have in this room. As Paul said, we're debtors. We owe it to those people. Just as other people have invested in us and have shared the good news of the gospel of Christ with us, we are called to share it with others. And we ask, Lord, tonight that you would give us strength and courage. And may 2023 be the most evangelistic year that Gospel Baptist Church has ever been. May we share this message with others that there's a God that exists. He loves others and he cares for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.